All right. Well, man, I'm just excited to be here. I don't, I don't normally say that. It's not that I'm not excited, but when I only said, but anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, I am excited about being here today, and uh, and I hope you are too. And so, notice here in Second Corinthians is where we're going to be. Uh, if you'll turn just to Second Corinthians, and this is the second epistle that Saint Paul writes. Now, it's not the second letter uh, in the sense that this was the second time he had written to them, but it's the second letter that we have. All right, So he wrote back and forth to them multiple times, and we know this from the internal structure of the epistle itself. But here we are in the second epistle to these Corinthians. Now you remember, this is that troubled church. This is that church that has so many problems, and yet Paul writes to them very lovingly. He interestingly, at the beginning of it, calls them saints. Holy ones. And that's, that's always a shocker. And so, notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, we'll start reading in verse 1 and we'll go to 7. Notice here. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God. Of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for Your church. Thank You for this gathering. We now pray that You would have Your way in us. By Your Spirit, speak to our hearts. Say things that I don't say, that I don't know, but instead that You can speak to a heart, to a soul. And so do that today. We know you want to. Let us have ears to hear now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The other day of the week, I was driving to school. Well, I was driving back from school at Calhoun. And, uh, and, I, and I got behind this car that had A-C-E on the back, you know, on the back windshield. Ace. And I, I thought to myself, okay, what, what is that? So I got a little closer, you know. And it, and it apparently said, appetite, control, energy. I was like, okay, this is you know new new supplement to, to help people you know, control their appetite, uh, have control over other things maybe, uh, maybe smoking, for instance, energy to live life and to love their kids. So, you know, I, I, uh, I, I was behind them, and then so I actually got to a stop sign, and then you know, they were, they were going slower than I was, so I went ahead and went around them. And when I did, I was expecting, I guess, a little something different than what I saw. So I look over, and I see a uh, very obese lady 
who was smoking a cigarette uh, and yawning all at the same time. And so I thought I went back through the ACE thing again. I said, okay, appetite, no um, control, mm, not sure. Energy, probably not. Not a very good salesperson for Ace. Now, I, you know, no, I don't even know this company, so I know nothing about that company. But it just struck me. I thought to myself, I wonder if that's how the world sees Christians. You know, we, we have these claims that we make. We are loving. We are friendly. We are forgiving. You know. Uh, but when they see us, they have the same kind of response I did, which is, whoa, I almost had a, you know, I'm like, Sure, what? Why drive a car like that if you're not going to live it? And isn't that what the world says about us? Why claim to be Christian if you're not going to live it? It seems to be one of the greater barriers of people coming to Jesus is our life. But it doesn't have to be like that. That's the good news of the Gospel, is it doesn't have to be like that. We can live as witnesses of Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. That's what Paul is talking about in this passage. Uh, Notice one of the first things he says here is, do not lose heart. In other words, never give up. Even if you have a habitual sin that you struggle with in your life, even if you are addicted in some way to some either substance or way of life or maybe way of thinking about yourself. There are all kinds of addictions. Whatever it might be, never stay down. Never, when you fail, stay down. Always get back up. The worst thing we could do is continue to lie there. Continue to waller, good country, southern term, continue to waller in our own failure. What good does it do? Get up, dust yourself off, and get back running. He empowers us to do that. Jesus is so loving and forgiving and merciful, it blows my mind. He should have given up on me a long time ago. (laughs) It's really funny that... um, in my, on my phone, you know, when I'm texting Jessica sometimes, I have swipe, so I swipe the, you know, words or whatever I'm sitting here doing. And, and I, I do Jessica, but it comes up Jesus. So I'm like, hey, Jesus, could you do... And I'm like, whoa! And it, it, you know, because you always kind of check your autocorrect because you don't want to send something crazy. Uh, and so, so I'm checking and I say, Jesus, whoa, I don't talk to Jesus like that. Two things happen to me. One is I, I kind of get freaked out because Jesus is in that conversation. Who knows what it might be about buying groceries. You know, Jesus, could you buy some groceries? I'm like, probably not the right thing to ask him. But the other, the other thing that happens to me is that I, you know, and this is not to, um, you know, we've already had a date night and stuff like that, so I'm not trying to get anything from Jessica. But, I'm, but it, here's, here's the deal. Is Jessica, to me, is, is like Jesus. And I mean, I know, it's, I know it's weird for maybe you to think that or what, but it's not for me. She's been with me. She has forgiven me. She knows things about me that would make you think very different about me. But she doesn't. He doesn't. That is Christian love. That is Jesus' love. And that's the kind of love we're called to have. That's a love that 
we will work until we die to enjoy, but you better be working for it. You say, well, you know, Marsh, come on, really. We can't ever be perfect. Okay, so that just means you grind the gears? I mean, think about it. You ever driven a standard? Are you ever going to perfectly shift every single time that you're in a standard? Probably not. I mean, you're... You know, even the best race car drivers end up revving the, the clutch a little more than needed or maybe not enough and getting a little bit of a... You know, I used to always try in my little Saturn as the first car I had. I always used to kind of eye the other person in my peripheral to make sure they weren't doing this number while I was driving. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You ever been in a standard? Okay, forget it. Um, Lewis has a part in his book, Mere Christianity Says... Just because we may never obtain perfect shifting doesn't mean we try for it every single time. Why would we give up? That's obviously not the solution. You know, that's not the way you drive a standard. Not at all. It's not the way you live the Christian life. The Christian life is meant to be walked out in God's perfect love. Notice love. Love is the key, not performance. He doesn't expect the same things from all of us. These children, He doesn't expect the same thing as from you an adult. To whom much has been given, much is required. And so we get up. We never give up. We don't lose heart. And in the Christian life, in our life, in this battle that we're in, we do tend to grow weak. We tend to grow cold in our love for each other, in marriage, in friendships. And those must be tended to. I mean, you, you like me, I've had friends that you really liked, maybe in college or at a job you previously had, but you think to yourself, I need to really connect back with them, but that relationship has grown cold. And sometimes it gets to a point where it's grown so cold that you can't even pick up the phone anymore. You feel like now they are a stranger. This happens. You realize this, right? This is a danger with our relationship to Jesus. We must not lose heart. What's the solution? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) Notice Paul's words here. He goes straight to the new covenant. What God has done in a new way. And this new way he speaks about in chapter 3 as the way of the Spirit. Living life not for yourself, not just in your own head, not just in your own decisions and will, but instead alongside the Holy Spirit. God Himself. In other words, your decisions are filtered through God. Not just through you or the television or the radio or self-help books, but rather God. We must know God. We must have God in us. And I know how crazy that sounds. But that's the reality He's called us to live with. God in us. Working through us. Filling us with His love. And this is why we come to church. This is why we encourage one another. This is why we sharpen one another in this community of faith. We're brothers and sisters because of the one Spirit that unites us all, the Spirit of Christ. 
The problem, and I love this way of describing it, and this comes from Peter Kraft. We have the answer, but we don't know what the question is. Or maybe another way to put it is we have the key, but we don't know where the door is to unlock life, love, happiness. Jesus is the answer. We know that. We're all about, yeah, yeah, the cross, you know, yeah, absolutely. But we don't know where to put that in our life. And partly it's due to a deficiency in the Old Testament. We don't read the Old Testament. So we don't know the problem. The deep problem of sin in us. It's not just an action. Not just what you do. It too is in you. And must be cleansed. Must be removed. He can do that. You don't overcome evil by stopping doing evil, but overcome it by good. Pump the good in there. Start doing good acts. Trust me, if you define your life by what you don't do, that's a very sad way to live. That's not the way that Jesus has called us to live. We are to live with good news. Not just what we don't do, but what He has called us to positively. But that presupposes that deep understanding of what is negative in us. That even on our best days, I cannot trust myself. I need the accountability of my brothers and sisters. I need to be grounded in God's Word. As as, as my truck sucks gas down and is fueled by gas, which trust me, it really does, so too in my own soul, I must have the fuel of God's Spirit. If I'm not running on Him, I will be on empty, and that is dangerous to get stuck on the side of the road like that in your spiritual life. You see, we're not selling Jesus here at Harvest Point. It's not the business of my life to convince you or to sell Jesus like a used car salesman using tricks and gimmicks, which is exactly what Paul says here. He says, that's not what we're into. We don't have to do that. God is already active in your life. I'm just being used to come alongside of that. It's not my duty to control you or the church's job to make you do things. Sometimes I wish it was a little more uh, compulsory, but, um, but at the end of the day, it's not. I mean, I wish I could give you tests and exams and like I do my students and measure better where we're all at, but at the end of the day, that's not the case. Michael has experienced that here, but not many of you have, and so you wouldn't like it, and none of us do, and that's not what the church is about. We don't measure by that. And so, we're not selling Jesus. Instead, we're asking you to count the cost. Do the same thing Jesus did. Count the cost of following me. It's going to cost you something. (laughs) But when you weigh that out, the benefits are out of this world. Pun intended. There's a heavenly kingdom that awaits you. And this kingdom cannot be gained by money, cannot be gained by fame, or anything else of this world. It is God's kingdom. Truly, the secret is, it's God Himself. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's His rule. That's what that means. The Greek term, basileia, is 
Greek for rule, rulership. He's the king. So you come under his rulership. Remember we talked about rules for the kids? When we come under his rule, then we are in his kingdom. Operating on kingdom principles that will last forever. You do realize that America will not last forever. And that is a sober reality. No nation has ever lasted forever. Rome had a long, good run. But you can read St. Augustine as he's watching the city burn and the Visigoths come in and sack it. It's over. The game's over. The experiment's over. So too will the American experience one day. It'll be a sad day. We need to lament that. We need to try to prevent that. But at the end of the day, no human kingdom will last forever. But God's will. Join up with Him. His citizenship is true and right. Speaking of which, this past week there was an atheist that gave the uh, prayer at, uh, what was it, the council meeting in Huntsville. So, and people, you know, what in the world is going on? What? You know, well, you know, I'm not a seer, but it's easy to predict that we're headed toward polytheism. You can laugh at this. It's, it's okay. My students do all the time until they realize that I'm correct on it. Along with a lot of other people that are correct on seeing this happen. If you don't have God, the one God, the one true and living God, you always inevitably fall back into believing in many gods. <laughs> You say, well, you say an atheism is poly... They don't believe in God. Okay, well, you know, why is he praying then? Who's he praying to? I read the prayer this morning. He prayed to values. So did the Sumerians. So did the Egyptians. The Egyptians would pray to wisdom, which is exactly who he prayed to, by the way. Wisdom's name was A. He just didn't name the name. They may not have a name yet. Trust me, give them 50 years, 100 years, they'll start calling the earth something. Not just her, they already call it her. They'll start giving it a name. It is the cycle that has all... Atheism has always been in the majority, in the minority. No, no, no one in their right mind can really hold that position well. Uh, and they haven't historically. Um, and so what you'll see is a fall back into... Believing in many gods and goddesses. Equality. They're all about equality in, in, in paganism. You know. much, much show for the goddesses is the gods. I saw this recently in a science channel thing about uh, supernovas. So, you know, I guess a year ago I was watching this show on supernovas. I'm like, supernova, that's an awesome term. You know, I like terms. So it's where a star blows up, which I'm like, that's who doesn't like that? I mean... Things blowing up, action movie, I mean, a star blowing up, that's that's huge, you know, right? Well, the guy gets on there, these astrophysicists from all these prestigious, you know, Ivy League schools, whatever. They get on there and they say, you know, we look up at the stars and we say to ourselves, wow, I feel connected with the stars, you know, with the universe, right? He says, you are connected is why. They created you. Can I remind you again? This was an astrophysicist on the Science Channel. I've got it documented because I had DVR and I paused it, rewound it, and manuscripted it for my students. 
Another woman gets on there. She says, they are, talking about the stars, they are our parents. Now, you can chuckle. This is being taught in school. What is it? Well, we can go back 5,000 years to the ancient Sumerians or the Egyptians, read their mythology. They're saying the exact same thing. They look up at the stars, they say, oh yeah, there's our parents. There's Ra. There's Ashtoreth. Absolutely. Yeah, they've known that for 5,000 years plus. And the scientists are just now catching up. You see what's happening? When you try to do science or history or education, or a nation, on anything else other than God, when you remove God from the equation, from the foundation, everything begins to crumble back into straight-up polytheistic animism, whatever you want to say. Uh, It's shocking. It's almost crazy. And yet, here we go. We're right here. Atheists praying to values. All but giving them a name. Different gods of our society, named justice, named equality, not named Jesus, who is the truth of justice, the truth of the stars, the truth of your very breath, oxygen itself, the engineered part and designed part of this world, which is everything. It is fascinating how blind we are. And Paul says here, he says, look, the God of this world has blinded us. So God has given us this beautiful creation, and what do we do? Oh, look, it's God. No. No, no. He created it. It is not Him. Matter matters, however, because He created it. And Jesus takes on matter. And if we're ever going to live this faith out, we must do it in our body. So the opposite thing would be to say, oh yeah, the world is passing away, the world is garbage, this place is is corrupted, it's sinful, this body is corrupted, it's sinful, it's not redeemed. No, no, no. You're going too far. Don't go the other way, which is to say only focus on the spiritual because we are not angels. We never will be angels. And this body of ours that bleeds, that emits all kinds of things that we try to doctor up and pamper ourselves up and look all nice, thankfully. I'm glad of that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we try to contain it. We try to dress it up. But at the end of the day, this body is literally bleeding out and dying. And we're trying to contain it. And and this is where God places His most precious treasure is in this old, broken down, fragile body. That's that's the crazy good news. That's That's the secret of the universe. He doesn't just write it in the stars. He doesn't just scream it at us or intimidate us by showing up, but instead He places His Spirit, His most treasured gift, the gift that Jesus died to bring us. Remember what Jesus said? I have to leave. I have to go to the cross so that I can send the Spirit to you. 
And he places that spirit in these, as Paul says, fragile clay jars. You know, we go to school, we buy clothes, we house ourselves, we eat and try to be healthy and do all this stuff. And, and in one split second, our body can be torn apart and we're dead. Every, all that wisdom, all that knowledge, you just look at somebody and you think, just gone. What? Just fragile. Jar, clay, uh, clay, clay jars. And yet that's where he's placed his power. Notice these times. I'm not making. But we, verse 7, have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Not us. It's not about us. It's about God in us, empowering us no longer to think of ourselves, but others. How powerful is, you know, Zig Ziglar, you know, motivational speaker, whatever. He said this. He said, you want to be happy? Make somebody else happy. That's profound. That's the gospel. That's the Beatitudes. You want to be happy? Then mourn. You want to be happy? Then do what God says. Be meek. Even when you have power, be meek. We have great power as Americans, as mainly middle class, upper middle class in this city what are we going to do with that power we'll be judged based on what we did with our gifts with our knowledge with our possessions remember the parable of the talents what did you do with my money while I was gone nothing no I was trying to play it safe man no 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 no. you don't play it safe You invest it. You make more. You grow something to share. The only way to do that is to be grounded in Jesus Christ. The only way to do that is to be involved in His church in the world who is reaching out to those who are lost, those who are widowed, those who are orphaned, those who are the least of these, the least worried about. Again, if you compare our society to the ancient world. Go back. Go back 4,000 years. They used to sacrifice children to Moloch. You remember him from Ezekiel. The god Moloch. Well, here in Madison, there's a pediatric doctor that sacrifices children to sex. So you can have sex and not have any consequences. Sounds pretty much the same. Not much has changed with the God of this world. 
He still wants to sacrifice our children. Steal, kill, destroy. But the good news is, He's overcome the world. You say, I don't see that. Then put on the eyes of faith and realize there's an army that marches every single day back into battle. We're about to do it here in just a couple minutes. For those who would take up arms, not of AR-15s and AK-47s and whatever else, but instead of the sword of who? The Spirit. Might I remind you again, we are made for the Spirit. And yet we live in this body, in this real world of relationships. You'll go back to a real job with real co-workers that are really struggling, some of them. Really hurting some of them. Don't pass them by. Don't mistreat. I read a story this morning, actually, of a fellow that said his friend walked away from Christianity after being a Christian for many years, and he said the turning point was this. They had went mountain biking, which I love, and I, kind of, I was like, oh, cool. So I went mountain biking, him and, him and another Christian friend, this is when he was still a Christian, but he was, he was really struggling in his faith. They got in a, a bad thunderstorm, it was cold, raining, and so rather than going downhill, uh, they decided to just go ahead and hitch a ride out back to their car. And so they were, they were trying to get a ride, and this, this um, RV stopped and said, hey, what, what's going on, what's going on? And, uh, and he said, hey, we just need a ride. You know, it's, it's really cold. We're trying to get back to our car and, um, and uh, you know, whatever. And, and so the guy said, oh, okay, okay. Well, I've I got to get to church, man. Um, so I, I really can't help you right now. He said, then a Mexican family came by in a Volkswagen minutes later, picked him up, took him to their car, and went on. And he said, that's where he lost. That, that was the point for him. He said, that's really trivial. What? Maybe. But I wonder again, is the world looking at us like I was looking at that lady I saw with her big advertisement, wanting to make money, wanting to be successful, but not having the victory? Not living the life? Let's not worry about all the other hypocrites. Just make sure you're not one. You're not going to be responsible for other people. You're going to be responsible for your own soul. We never give up. Never. We live life in the Spirit. We don't play tricks on people. We tell them the truth. As Christians, we proclaim Jesus and Him alone. You don't have to know all the arguments. You don't have to go to seminary and learn all the apologetic, uh, polemical stuff that, that I had to wade through. You don't have to. Just be a witness with your body, with your actions, with your mouth, with your thoughts, with your children, at work, whether you're boss or employee. Be God's witnesses. Acts 1.8 says, You will wait for the promise of the Father, and when you receive this Holy Spirit, again, who is the promise you'll receive power to be witnesses. That's the kind of power God is concerned with. Not worldly power. 
to be able to live the kind of life that is a witness to His faithfulness. Are you that kind of witness? It's application time. It's time to stop saying, and start saying, oh, oh. <laughs> Look inward. Ask the Spirit to give an honest assessment. You know, when something's wrong with you, you go to the doctor. Something's out of, out of kilter with your, with your body, you go to the doctor. Well, when something's out of kilter with your soul, you go to the great physician. You get on your knees, and, and that's not metaphor. I'm serious. When you are in need, get on your knees before God. That, that's your body saying, I am serious about this. It's not just, I'm throwing up a little prayer. Help me, God. You know, do what you do. No, no, no. Get for real with God. If He's the King, bow down. Actually, get on your face. Whether it's your bed, whatever. Put a pillow down. I don't, it doesn't posture yourself before God with your body. Your body matters. Matters to God. He wants to be in your body. That's the treasure. That's the good news. So do you feel like giving up? Don't. You have a lot of struggling going on? Don't give up. Not yet. Go five more minutes. And after that, go five more minutes. <laughs> I'll end with this. When I was doing that triathlon training, I would, I would see a mailbox. I'd be like, <sighs> all right, just go. Make it to this mailbox. And once I got that mailbox, I said, all right, make it to that next one. And I just keep doing this thing. Look, do whatever it takes to keep going. Get up. Repent of your sins. He will meet you here. He will strengthen you. And He'll help you keep running this race to the finish. He is faithful. He will surely do it, is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. I love that. There's a song that... I hear on the radio and I pray it. And when I'm, when I'm not even listening to the song, I pray it, which is cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus and live. It's that simple. It's that simple if we can see it with the eye of faith. Respond today to Jesus' love. You'll never be sorry. And He can make you a witness and give you power to live in Him. Amen.